0: hey gang welcome to another exciting episode of national view radio on the public broadcasting network rbn republicbroadcasting.org it's the eddie arnold festival of free speech and you'll know why uh, because we have Mark Dankoff here, and we've got all the Eddie Arnold bumper music that I'm going to play. So, uh, uh, go on down uh, to RBN anytime, and uh, click on the donate button and send uh, badly needed fundage. Uh, oh, what what other name? What other song name can I drop in there? Um,
1: Make the world go away.
2: <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Honestly.
0: Honestly, make the world go away. So uh, send it to 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas 78664. Phone it in to 1-800-724-2719, uh, extension three. Okay. So I, I have to confess I didn't listen to your program yesterday, just because uh, we're recording this Saturday, late Saturday morning, and I just didn't have time yet I certainly intend to and maybe some of the questions I'm asking would have been answered if, had I listened to it here's here's my situation so we're recording this on Saturday a week ago the, the last weekend there was the commencement of this major operation by Hamas and it's become a, a big deal and I've spent every day uh, for the past week talking about the situation. Well, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the overall background. Okay. The background I've been taught. And then, um, the geopolitical ramifications. And, um, well, of course, some people are asking about to what extent Benjamin Netanyahu had prior, um, notice or not. I'm not really concerned about that one way or another. Uh, then there's oh the um, some of the obviously fake stuff. I think the beheading of babies has pretty much been debunked. So there's that type of stuff. Um, and I do eventually want to get to asking you about all the um, the the religious aspects of it, with the uh, possibility of tearing down the Al Aqsa Mosque and and building a new uh, a third temple. But I want to ask you because first of all, a you are you are a uh, sought-after analyst in your own right, but B, you do an excellent job keeping track of, uh, of news, information, and other people's analysis. But the first thing I want to ask is, what the hell happened last weekend? What actually happened? What did Hamas do? Uh, what were the casualties? To what extent were they uh, civilians? To what extent were they military? To what extent were they Uh, Military reservists, because we tend to forget that uh, Israel is a highly militarized society and, um, you know, an awful lot of people, men, I think men 45 and under and women 27 and under or something like that, they're all in the reserves. So what happened last weekend?
1: Well, I think what happened last weekend is that, of course, Hamas launched this uh, so-called Operation Al-Aqsa flood uh, to coincide with the anniversary of the Yom Kippur war uh, 50 years ago this month and that basically in this situation uh, and I, I think the the more responsible people the best and most responsible people I've consulted on this uh, are agreed that this was a, a an operation that was incredibly well planned uh, on the part of Hamas uh, and that uh, what is amazing is that, uh, with, uh, with the uh, military force that they do have uh, and with the asymmetrical brand of warfare that they quite clearly are forced to engage in because they are up against uh, uh, Israel with uh, all of its uh, conventional uh, and, and nuclear weaponries and so forth. And uh, Israel, uh, when you look at what they represent in terms of conventional military assets – uh, there's absolutely no comparison between the power of the Israelis on the one hand uh, and what, the, uh, and what uh, Hamas brings to the table in terms of their launching of this so-called uh, Operation Al-Asqa flood. But the, the long of the short of it is, I think, that this is yet another example uh, of where a understandably and high, uh, highly motivated group of people ideologically – uh, it, which we're speaking of Hamas here. We're speaking of the people of Gaza. We're speaking of the Palestinians generally. Uh, that all of this land thievery, uh, in, in basically, in terms of these people in Gaza, their are long term residents in what is the world's largest uh, open air concentration camp. Uh, those are not my words, of course. Uh, n- multiple numbers of people, including Johnny Punish at VT Foreign Policy, Who is a Palestinian have termed it that, and I think correctly so, that uh, Hamas has uh, finally uh, done something uh, which is greatly up the ante uh, in terms of the ongoing character of uh, what Israel has been doing up to this point, uh, which is exactly nothing other than steal land and continue uh, uh, up to this point in their mind, their own minds, with impunity. Uh, to uh, engage in a uh, non-legitimate settlement with the Palestinians and with the people of Gaza because of uh, what up to this time has been the uh, overwhelming uh, political and military and economic power of the United States behind the Zionist entity. And it, of course, has uh, been that way since the uh, formulation of the Israeli state. But now we're dealing with a completely different uh, configuration in regard to multipolarity, uh, we're dealing with an entirely different situation in the United States, which is not the uh, economic and industrial uh, economic and military power that it once was. And really, when you look at this whole situation, uh, the, the timing of it, uh, just in, uh, in military terms for Hamas, could not have been better timed. You have the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. You have a situation where the United States' war on terror uh, has had this country bogged down politically and militarily and economically, uh, in particular since 9-11. Uh, then when you add to that the uh, American uh, defeat in Afghanistan, uh, the ongoing quagmire of the miserable character of these uh, neocon policies, ziocon policies, the United States in Libya uh, and in Syria – and the uh, the unbelievable mess uh, that these uh, global homo Zionist uh, neocons have gotten this country, the United States, into uh, in this uh, encirclement policy of Putin's Russia, the NATO expansions. All of the things that began with the uh, bombing of Serbia and the part of Bill Clinton in 1999 have now culminated uh, in this disastrous situation uh, with uh, supporting Zelensky uh, uh, in in the time frame since the February 2014 coup d'état, of Victoria Newland and, and Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and company—that's that's all coming home to roost uh, in in the in the catastrophe militarily, politically, and economically, both for the United States and for Western Europe. In uh, in Confronting Putin's Russia in that fashion, and discovering that the United States and the Europeans uh, are uh, have totally miscalculated in that situation, it's it's nothing but blowback, in my view. As we continue to see Russia handing it to Zelensky, Russia is well on their way to resolving this thing militarily, with the final terms of that yet yet to be solidified. And it's in that context, it seems to me, and with all the internal division and political and economic problems in the United States and in the Western European countries generally, that lo and behold, Hamas, uh, I think, uh, had this whole thing figured quite uh, expertly in saying, "Okay, uh, we plan this operation, uh, you know, nothing's going to change in regard to this fraud of this this so-called two-state solution, uh, the United States is just going to allow the Zionists to continue with what they're doing, which is more land grabs and, and the grab of East Jerusalem uh, and these, these uh, settler movements that continue to displace people. Uh, our people on the so-called occupied West Bank, uh, you know, the Israelis continue uh, operating with impunity, or so they think, militarily in, in uh, southern Lebanon uh, and with this ongoing situation uh, with bombing uh, Assad, Syria, and, and, and it's in that way that Hamas, at uh, it, it just precisely the right time, uh, for, for, for from their point of view, engaged in this action, this so-called Operation Al-Aqsa flood, that as near as I can tell has produced, uh, you know, who knows what the current casualty figures are, uh, but the number of uh, Hamas and Israeli dead, uh, uh, is uh, or, or uh, Gazans dead and Israelis dead uh, it would seem to be about 1,700 on each side the last time I saw but, any figures.
0: And, more, and more, to, uh, have, to, have, to have it even is unprecedented. I mean, if you look right. at their past clashes, if that's what you want to call them, you're typically talking about a ratio of what, 10 to 1, 20 to 1?
1: Exactly. Not only 10 or 20 to 1, but as was pointed out today on V Kantaka, Israel has already suffered more casualties in this Operation Al-Aqsa flood than it did in the entirety of the 1967 Six-Day War. Uh, and when wow. you add to that the troubles that Israel has been having uh, in southern Lebanon, uh, especially since about 2006, uh, and and the fact that Putin has checkmated the Ziyal it seems to me, in Syria, as that whole thing continues to be slugged out, and it's uh, it's it's really uh, I think uh, a tribute both to President Putin of Russia and the uh, ex-Malaysian Prime Minister uh, Premier, uh, Mahathir Mohamad that uh, they have identified the essential failure here as being uh, on uh, one on the part of the United States in particular and having failed to sit down on the one side that we have always backed unilaterally and forcing them into a settlement a long time ago where there could have been a legitimate two-state solution, which basically would have said, well, we recognize now the inequities of what happened in 1948, but to quote uh, Anwar Sadat, Israel is a reality. Now we propose a two-state solution that will at least be an attempt uh, at, at creating legitimate homeland for the Palestinians with East Jerusalem as their capital uh, and where uh, we are prepared to uh, put some major uh, money into the Palestinian uh, development uh, based upon the fact that we are the primary people that have facilitated uh, all of these inequities perpetrated by the other side. And quite possibly, quite possibly a long time ago, that would have averted what we now see which is a uh, a, a uh, you know nothing. We've got nothing to lose. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into this thing militarily and start throwing punches. Approach right. of, of Hamas and the Palestinians, and understandably so. where are at this juncture. Uh, it doesn't take a real genius to figure out uh, that I, a third world war is on its way.
0: Well, right, and that's why I really haven't even gotten into the weeds on what happened last weekend because. Uh, just my overall assessment is that after decades and decades of land grabs and humiliations and violence, and then especially the past, what, 16, 17 years of, uh, embargo and, uh, everything that's gone, that's happened to the people in Gaza in particular, that, that the desperado attitude of, well, if I'm going down, I'm going down fighting was inevitable. It was only a Absolutely. matter of time. And so no matter what happened, this was a result of Israeli actions. So I, I didn't even get into, I haven't gotten into the weeds, but I do want to ask to the extent I can. Okay. So, um, we know that, the Hamas, they, I guess they went through the wall. Maybe they went under the wall. They went around it in boats. They went over and hang gliders or something, which is very, very badass, by the way. Uh, so they did this. They did. They they went in there, and they did take over a military base. Um, but yes. to what to what extent were they going into houses and uh, and killing random civilians? I I I ask. And and like on the one hand, it's I I you know you can say something like that is a a war crime or an atrocity. But on the other hand, if you haven't been shouting about all the uh, Israeli atrocities that have been Taken place over the past many decades, I don't feel like you really have the credentials to start talking about uh, Hamas' work war crimes.
1: That's that's exactly right. I mean, I think we need to understand the context and the disproportionality of this all along in terms of who basically was committing the lion's share of the crimes. Uh, This this is not to say that the uh, that the uh, Hamas. Uh, Palestinian side has never committed an atrocity. That's certainly ridiculous. But when you look at the totality of the situation, that must be understood in the context of what has largely been a wholesale uh, land thievery, a wholesale uh, genocide, in my view, uh, that has been uh, perpetrated uh, very, very skillfully. Uh, by the Israelis uh, over over decades and, and to me I think it's it's always been clear this map that uh, the Washington report for Middle East Affairs has published uh, over time and, and other people have replicated it where you see the the, uh, the graphic of, of Palestine in 1947 at the time of the so-called UN partition and then the stages of that, say, in 1956, and then in 1967, mm. 1973, and you get to the present. And if you simply look at those pictures, uh, it, it gives uh, an individual who, who's at all fair a, a complete, immediate, visceral, uh, visual uh, grasp and comprehension of who it is that has predominantly been doing the stealing and the killing and the ethnic cleansing with the complete backing of the United States government uh, over many years, both of the major political parties in the United States, not to mention the Western European powers. And and to me, I think enough is enough. And and Hamas, uh, in my view, uh, rationally, these are not irrational people. They were looking at this and saying, you know, we've been living in a open air uh, concentration camp for a long period of time. We have a population in Gaza alone of about 2.1 million, half, roughly half of, of that population statistically is comprised of children, okay? And when we start examining things from that vantage point, uh, it becomes clear that if you are with Hamas, uh, if you're Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, uh, if, if you are uh, a part of one of the other uh, arguably more mainstream uh, Palestinian movements, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're an Iranian listening to this, uh, you're examining this whole thing and you're thinking, well, we've got uh, people like uh, Chucky Boy Schumer uh, uh, on the one hand uh, in this situation uh, arguing for uh, what is basically uh, our destruction, complete destruction. And then, then on the other hand, you have uh, Mario Rubio, Senator Mario Rubio, Marco, of Florida.
0: Marco, Marco, up? Marco Rubio. It's like that game that you play in the swimming pool where somebody closes their eyes and they say, Marco, the other person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You,
1: you have a uh, guy who apparently flunked out of Tarkio College in Missouri, uh, who is now with the backing of uh, uh, of Paul Singer and the other gay ziocons down in Florida, as well as nationally, calling – And I'm quoting the New Republic here in this article that came out this week. Marco Rubio called, quote-unquote, for the complete er uh, eradication of the Palestinians. Lindsey Graham, our our gay uh, GOP global homo uh, zio leader, of course, in the United United States Senate. Uh, Lindsey Graham has, uh, from his post in the Carolinas, been uh, calling for Israel to, quote-unquote, level Gaza. Uh, And when when you're you're looking at this from the vantage point of a Palestinian or a a Gazan uh, or a member of Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, you're looking at this as a Syrian, uh, you're looking at this as an Iranian, you're looking at this as a Libyan, and you're thinking, well, uh, at this point, uh, we've got nothing to lose, uh, and if these guys are literally out to physically eradicate us, then by George, we're going to tee it up. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what has been happening what is, I believe, going to happen and to be this uh, Alistair uh, crookie of...
0: Uh, I want to oh. ask you about that. Yes. I, I, okay, so... Uh, Make I heard... the world go away
2: and get off my shoulders Say the
3: things you used to say
0: God, and... i I identified as a koala
3: two years ago, and I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool. But otherwise, I don't. <laughs> how about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends?
0: Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at nine Central, and Wednesday at one Central.
4: Extend your life
0: with
5: The secret to aging like fine wine is in the vines. Syrah grape seeds and skins contain high levels of flavonoids and resveratrol. Fermentation breaks these organic compounds down into smaller molecules, penetrating these therapeutic ingredients deeper into the skin, delivering faster and more effective results. Our handmade fermented skincare products are formulated with all natural ingredients and do not contain any phthalates or parabens. Similar products can cost as much as $180. At Natural Earth Medicine, we source our ingredients from local Arizona vineyards and cold process our oils to ensure that our customers receive the highest quality product in its purest form. Learn more at our website and try our fermented skincare products today. Visit NaturalEarthMedicine.com. That's NaturalEarthMedicine.com.
1: What is I believe going to happen and to be this uh Alistair uh, crookie of uh, I want to oh, ask you about that.
0: Yes. I, I, okay. So uh, I heard him on on uh, the the Duran with Al- Alexander Mercurius and Glenn Deasing and and maybe you heard the, the same program. And in yes. that program in that program he mentioned uh, he was talking about the Al-Aqsa Mosque and said that the Netanyahu cabinet recently held a cabinet session in tunnels underneath the mosque. Did you, did, did you catch that?
1: Yes, I did.
0: So, okay. Now I, I'm sure that you understand all the religious implications of this way better than I do. So, uh, the idea that, that, the um netanyahu government uh, and and netanyahu you know he's he's got his personal situation as well he's got half half the population is very much against him and if he is if he leaves office and is no longer prime minister he may well i mean he's under indictment he well may well wind up in prison so he's got a lot riding at stake personally, but there's this whole religious thing and he has I, the Shas party. Are they the, the second biggest party in his coalition? I, you know, it's something like that. The Shas party is this party of like religious Jews and there's, their settlers are, I guess, part of his coalition. And so there is this, um, he, he is in league with these messianic Jews who, um, want to bring on the Messiah by, building this uh, third temple and sacrificing a red heifer. What's going on there? And and, oh. and to the, what's going on there? And then if you are a, a, the Saudi royal family that's the guardian of holy sites, if you are the president or supreme leader of the Islamic Republic um, and this is your third most holy site, this like may be the oldest mosque in the world or something, um, to what extent I mean, maybe you could just stand by and and um, bitch and moan when Palestinians were being abused. But if the Al-Aqsa Mosque is going to be raised and the Palestinians exactly. are appointed and decided, okay, so uh, I, that's that's basically what I want to hear about. Okay,
1: well, this uh, this all deals with eschatology uh, or uh, the eschaton, the the second coming, and of course, depending on whether you're a Christian. Or you're a Sunni or, or, or Shi'ite Muslim believer. Uh, the nature of the eschatology uh, is going to vary, but nonetheless, Alexander Dugan, uh, the, the the Russian Orthodox uh, philosopher uh, and uh, and political thinker, has had a has had a a piece published in both Geopolitica and I think uh, Katahan is the name of the other Russian site that publishes mr dugan stuff in english dugan is really onto this in terms of the eschatology whether you're talking about um uh, the the uh, the the third temple eschatology of these zionist fanatics who and it's interesting this this all gets so complicated it's beyond belief but it's always amazed me that the original founders of the Israeli are Z- the zionist state in palestine uh, were for the most part uh, left-wing Jews of a socialist or Marxist orientation, uh, who, uh, of course, disproportionately came from uh, 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 the Ashkenazi uh, regions and, and came from, uh, uh, you know, from Eastern Europe and from Russia. Now, and were they
0: yes? What's atheist? Yeah, a large good percent were they
1: yeah, a large percentage of these people were atheists, as Ben-Gurion was, as Golda Meir was. And yet, when it comes to uh, this Third Temple fanaticism, this is where all of a sudden you see the incorporation of a uh, of a religious eschatology uh, on the part of these uh, Zionist settlers that uh, is, uh, overlaps with the so-called Christian Zionist, using uh, the quotation marks around the word Christian, the Christian Zionism of John Hagee of Christians United for Israel, John Hagee also of Cornerstone Church here in San Antonio, who now is arguably uh, the most uh, visible Christian Zionist leader maybe in the world, Uh, and you you can add to Hagee uh, the late Pat Robertson and the late Jerry Falwell, uh, you go back to Hal Lindsay and his book in 1970, The Late Great Planet Earth, which brings to bear a brand of Christian Zionism that, as I pointed out in my televised interview with uh, Johnny Punish for BT foreign policy uh, several days ago, this is where we go back to a figure in the 19th century by the name of William E. Blackstone, William E. Blackstone uh was uh, had major connections in in the in the American banking system especially in Chicago William E Blackstone was a Christian Zionist William E Blackstone according to a journal article that our listeners can access uh on Google search William E Blackstone and then the acronym jets J E T S this is not a reference to the New York Jets of the NFL this is a reference to the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society, where this very fine journal article. Uh, and this is this is the academic creme de la creme
3: of the Protestant.
1: are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org.
6: Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market.
3: to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease off drop and lift.
4: What in the world is an easeoff dropping with?
3: Our easeoff is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control.
4: That sounds great, but can I afford it?
3: Sure! And the ease-off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits.
4: Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my ease off?
3: Go to easeoff. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too.
4: EaseOff, LLC. 417-932-6419. Hey,
3: you want me back again? That's the time.
1: Evangelical Theological Society, where this very fine journal article, and this is this is the academic creme de la creme of the Protestant evangelical uh, movement, both in the United States as well as globally. This article, written by a very fine scholar whose name I'm not going to be able to come up with right now, I've read the article in the past. I have a copy of it in my library, but it deals with William E. Blackstone. as as potentially an even greater force, so the article argues, than in the 19th century, in the creation of the eventual state of Israel, uh, as a Christian Zionist, that he arguably may have been even more influential, according to the rationale of this very interesting article, uh, than Theodor Herzl in the eventual establishment of the the Zionist state uh, after World War II. And, and again, when you look at that journal article and William E. Blackstone, the arguably the father of what we know today as Christian Zionism, and you add to that John Nelson Darby of the Plymouth Brethren in the 19th century, uh, and of course the Schofield Reference Bible, uh, based upon Darby's insights, that became the Bible of Christian Zionism. And of something called dispensational premillennialism. That's a particular school of of eschatology that is the overwhelmingly most popular one among uh, the so-called Christian right in the United States. That all of this in conjunction with John Hagee now in San Antonio has produced complete support for the Zionist state, in my view, regardless of what they do regardless of how many atrocities they commit uh, regardless of what kind of, of, of mass genocide and land thievery they have been undertaking for decades in the Zionist state nonetheless the brand of what I argue is not only an eschatological heresy in terms of a sounder uh, 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 eschatology uh, in the in the Western Church historically as well as an Eastern, Orthodox Christianity that, that recognized none of this stuff. We're talking about what has been largely, uh, with the exception of a Jesuit priest in the 16th century by the name of uh, Riviera or Ribers, if I'm remembering the name correctly, where there were some hints of what would come with John Nelson Darby in the 19th century. Nonetheless, I think we, we can say, uh, maybe with a little bit of an oversimplification, uh, which I think is at this point. Uh, still useful. We're talking about a 19th century eschatology uh, under John Nelson Darby, which wound its way into Cyrus Schofield's Schofield Reference Bible, which was being financed, of course, uh, by the House of Rothschilds, uh, uh, Oxford University Press in England. That eschatology crossed into the United States after the American Civil War. It has been the predominant eschatological view among Protestant evangelical and fundamentalist Christians, uh, uh since the, uh, uh, end of the American civil war. And it has now blossomed into the sort of catastrophe we are now seeing mm-hmm. where the, the John Nelson Darby Schofield reference Bible, Hal Lindsey, Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, and now John Hagee, uh, love, uh, uh, love Israel, quote unquote, at, at all costs. This is an eschatology which uh, does not see uh, uh, how offbeat it is in, in relationship to sounder, uh, the sounder older Christian eschatology in both the Eastern and Western churches, uh, which uh, which which goes back to the early church, in my view, at least. But uh, this is a point of view which confuses the modern state of Israel um, with the Israel of God, which as that has been understood in the New Testament, was comprised of Jew and Gentile uh, who believed in Jesus Christ. It had nothing to do uh, with so-called racial Israel. That uh, raises questions, of course, in terms of whether or not these Ashkenazic Jews have any racial connection to, to Abraham or not in the book of Genesis. But even aside from that, it's very clear in the New Testament, especially when you get into John chapter 8, Jesus Christ's uh, interaction with the, with the Pharisees of the first century, the temple leaders uh, uh, in Jerusalem in the first century. Uh, Jesus Christ was essentially saying that, hey, uh, you guys can be racially of Abraham, but you are not of Abraham. Because if you truly understood what it meant spiritually to be of Abraham, you would believe in me. And if you claim to be uh, sons of the Father, uh, you would understand that you can only possess the Father in faith by embracing me, was the argumentation of, of John chapter 8. Uh, and this, this is where we get into uh, this, the absolute irresponsibility and fanaticism and, lun- and lunacy of a foreign policy in the United States which has the support of everyone from these uh, left-wing global homotypes like uh, Chucky e. Schumer uh, and company and the Democratic Party. And then when you look at the overwhelming amount of, of this uh, 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 Schofield reference Bible eschatology that has hijacked the Republican Party yeah, Lindsey Graham saying the other day, this is a religious war. I'm quoting him. This is a religious mm-hmm. war. This is why I'm calling on Israel to level Gaza. Okay. So, I mean, I this, ask, this is craziness.
0: So, to what, ex- uh, uh, to what extent do um, uh, Netanyahu's coalition partners, his support base, to what extent do they actually want to tear down? The, um, the Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, sometime soon. Like, uh, uh, is this something that could plausibly happen any day where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is leveled? And then I have, I have uh, a friend who tells me that, that actually the third temple has been assembled kind of modularly and could be brought in and put up kind of Levittown style uh, in a pinch. Uh, what do you know about this?
1: Uh, I've heard these things. I I can't confirm that, but I I will say that certainly it would appear to me uh, as this whole business of eschatology rises to the fore of this conflict. This is where we get back to Alexander Dugan, his uh, piece for Geopolitica and for Catahan on eschatology. Dugan is well aware of the Protestant evangelical dispensational pre-millennial John Hagee types uh, in the West, and especially in the United States. He, of course, has his own eschatology as a Russian Orthodox believer. Uh, and then, of course, Dugan is more than a little bit conversant uh, with the eschatologies that exist both in Shia and Sunni uh, Islam. And when you start looking at this eschatologically, uh, one sees the hardening of positions on both sides of this basic controversy over Palestine and this controversy now in Gaza Uh, and when you start looking at this eschatologically this I would argue is is, is, is where any commitment to a rational analysis of this, any commitment to an attempt at a rational settlement of this in terms of a two state solution which is now completely lost. There was a time, mm-hmm. decades ago, when perhaps the United States could have helped to impose such a thing uh, to the to the uh, ultimate benefit of everyone concerned. That's all been lost, and, and now, as, as you're picking up on this, Patrick, this third temple ideology uh, is is not only fraught with with uh, peril in regard to. F- facilitating the speed with which an international global conflict would transpire. But I would ask these uh, third party or third temple fanatics just within Hagee's so-called Christian movement to ask a fundamental question going back to the Old Testament from a, a Christian understanding of the uh, proper non-dispensationalist Christian understanding of the Old Testament as well as the New what does the uh, Old Testament tell us, as well as the New, in regard to who ultimately is spiritually of Abraham? Why, why was it that Israel, uh, ha- Judah, had its uh, temple sacked in 586 B.C. between 605 and then finally uh, culminating in the 580C, 586 B.C. sacking of the first temple at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon? and then the subsequent 70-year exile that followed. Uh, Why? Uh, Why did uh, uh, Judah lose its second temple at the hands of the Romans in A.D. 70, Uh, where Christ refers to this before the fact in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21? In both of those cases, uh, I think it's provable that those temple destructions were a result of God's judgment upon Judah in 605 to 586 B.C., and then the 70-year exile that followed. And certainly in A.D. 70, uh, that that, uh, catastrophe, which occurred under Titus and the Romans, both were directly relinked to Judah's covenantal disobedience to God. Judah's Mm -hmm. fundamental rejection, uh, especially in the 70 A.D. event, their national rejection of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Messiah, and the fact that the A.D. 70 destruction was provably provably related uh, to the, uh, the blood curse of the book of Matthew, where this uh, largely Jewish mob was screaming for the release of Barabbas and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the part of the Romans. And who was Barabbas? He was uh, perhaps the most uh, a most obvious example. He was a most obvious example. As e. Michael Jones has pointed out in, in Culture Wars, uh, Barabbas was a Zionist zealot and and murderous revolutionary. Uh, he he was the Menachem Begin Yitzhak Shamir uh, of his time, uh, and that this crowd was rejecting uh, the conception of the Kingdom of God that Jesus Christ was presenting, they were rejecting Jesus Christ as the lion of the tribe of Judah. If one follows the New Testament's rationale and explanation for this, whether one believes that or not, I do as a Christian, one doesn't have to, to at least see, but that's the argumentation of the New Testament. Mm. And by embracing the release of Barabbas, who was, he he was the, uh, 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 Barabbas arguably would have been, uh, no question about it. it would have been in the forefront of the most radical elements of the Third Temple movement uh, in, in today's world because he saw that uh, his, his conception of the fulfillment of all of these promises made to Judah in the Old Testament involved a kingdom of violence, a kingdom mm-hmm. of who was going to control this certain geography in Palestine. Uh, it involved the, the killing of the Goyim. Uh, it involved a, a racial conception uh, of the kingdom of God, uh, which, of course, said that this particular group of people is God's chosen, uh, and, and the, these claims being made uh, by this uh, alleged uh, 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 leader of the, of the tribe of Judah, this fraud, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to go back to the, uh, to, to uh, a fulfillment of, of all of these ancient Davidic prophecies, where where our kingdom is for now, our kingdom is racial, our kingdom is geographical, it's political, uh, and it's uh, it's rooted in uh, in where necessary violence mm-hmm. against anyone who attempts to uh, contradict our claim on this territory. So okay. I would say that that, that Barabbas, uh, if we follow through. To the John Hagee of Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, and Christians United for Israel, and all of these other fanatics in in that kind of uh, dispensational premillennial Christian Zionist eschatology, it's kind of like, hey, uh, we um, we yeah, we want to speed the return of Jesus, and of course, we will all be raptured before the onset of the last tribulation of world history. We're going to be. Uh, translated directly into heaven so we won't be around for any of the uh, ramifications of what it is that we're uh, we're arguing but certainly we will speed up the return of Jesus so we think by basically signing off on the same version of the of the Jewish kingdom that Barabbas did I mean this this is the this is the ultimate lunacy of all of this I've written a paper uh, and again all of these things we're talking about, requires getting into a lot of reading. Dugan's uh, pieces on eschatology will help. I've written a piece entitled uh, uh, The Prophecy of 70 Weeks, uh, based upon Daniel chapter 9, which is a critique of of this dispensational Christian Zionist movement. It was uh, published initially at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia when I was uh, in residency up there. Uh, there's another book I would recommend to people from a Christian perspective, mm-hmm. which gets into the Westminster-Princeton division of Protestant evangelicalism that doesn't support this dispensationalist point of view at all. O.T. Alice, uh, first of Princeton, mm-hmm. later of Westminster, in his
0: book Prophecy in mm-hmm. the Church, will help explain some of this. All right. So I, I want us to stick to the 21st century for sure. a while. Sure. Uh, so- the, this operation by Hamas was called Operation Al-Aqsa Flood, so Al-Aqsa. Uh, yes. Now, you mentioned the timing. This happens to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. Yeah. Uh, and there's also a lot of, uh, well, the United States is, uh, its prestige and its power in the world has been greatly reduced. As a result of the war in Ukraine, but uh, as for the timing of this and the naming of the operation Al Aqsa, was Hamas concerned that the Al Aqsa Mosque is um, in in danger of imminent destruction? And if so, uh, did they have good re- Is there good reason? Is it possible that in the next uh, in this month, for instance, that the Al Aqsa Mosque could be destroyed? I think that's entirely possible, and I think it's not an accident. At a bare minimum,
1: I think we're on safe ground in saying that Hamas understood the implications of the name that they gave to their own asymmetrical military operation uh, against uh, against the Zionists over this whole issue of the uh, open-air concentration camp in Gaza. And I think we go back to what you were listening to, Patrick, and what I heard as well. When you get Mercurius together, with Alastair uh, Krooky and with Glenn Deason, and they're talking uh, credibly uh, about this uh, alleged meeting that took place involving Netanyahu and others uh, underneath the Al-Aqsa Mosque in a tunnel someplace, that uh, this, that we're, we're right on the edge of this whole thing, which I think is why John Hagee is now putting his foot to the floor here in San Antonio. They're having some sort of a gathering later this month, very soon later this month, a night to honor Israel. Well, I'm sure all of these uh, Third Temple types, both Jewish and uh, and quote unquote Christian, will be a part of that festival. And and I'm guessing that the theme of the Third
3: Temple. we took a little trip along with colonel jackson down the mighty mississippi But took a little bacon and we took a little beans Then we met up with the british near the town of new orleans we fired
4: our guns and the british corporate media dominates the american opinion
2: Will the end come on this Friday or will the inevitable collapse hold off for a while? The next round of the worst financial crisis in a hundred years is coming, people. And the government is out to make you and I pay for it. Will your savings survive a global banking wipeout? What happens when the U.S. sees hyperinflation? What if taxes soar not only for the rich? Can you survive the stock market tanks? Look, between a stock market wipeout waves of bank failures soaring government spending that will lead to hyperinflation and the destruction of the dollar's value isn't it time that you prepare for the uncertainty which lies ahead protect your money now or forever kiss it goodbye my friends i offer you over six decades experience of hard asset ownership and knowledge and i'm prepared to handle the smallest detail in the balanced protection of your portfolio Once again, our phone number six zero two seven nine nine eight two one four. 602-799-8214. It's almost Friday. Down the Mississippi to the Gulf
1: of Mexico. A night to honor Israel. Well, I'm sure all of these uh, Third Temple types, both Jewish and, uh, and quote-unquote Christian, will be a part of that festival. And And I'm guessing that the theme of the Third Temple will be uh very much uh, offered up front as a part of this uh of this uh festival to quote unquote uh, honor israel so you know right here where you have the center of world christian zionism arguably in the same uh location uh, as, uh a major hub of the united states military uh and, uh, and the hub of the national security agencies. Uh, global uh, internet internet surveillance system. Uh, You know, it's not at Fort Meade, Maryland, with the NSA there. It's right here in San Antonio in conjunction with this big complex that the NSA shares with Microsoft. You kind of see all these different forces coming together. And uh, this is where rationality and diplomacy and negotiation uh, are Mm -hmm. being thrown completely out the window, whether you're talking about the, the lunacy of this Christian Zionist movement on the one hand, or you're talking about uh, the fact that uh, Sunni and Shia Muslim believers, uh, as well as uh, uh, secular Palestinians uh, and, and secular people living in Gaza, have been watching all of this unfold uh, since the late 1940s. And, and as you understand and I understand, it's like, okay we've got nothing left to lose we're gonna fight and wherever right. that fight leads uh, we're gonna we're gonna see it to its logical conclusion and I think uh, Alastair crookie on uh, in this uh, interview that he gave uh, Sputnik in the last week was underscoring this he said Israel is not ready for a second front to be opened up on this with hezbollah and okay. that's where yeah and that's where hezbollah of course just citing uh, Alastair's figures, uh, he says, okay, Hezbollah's got 100,000 men under arms. They have, in his words, 80,000 cruise missiles and drones. What the precise analysis of the, of the particulars of the, of the military side of that equation is there. There's, there's one piece, I think uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find the, the source here pretty soon. I think I posted it to you, that got into uh, an analysis of the particulars of the cruise missiles and the drones that Hezbollah is believed to possess. But if we just uh, take uh, Alistair Krooky at his word and say, okay, 100,000 men ready to uh, come at Israel uh, from southern Lebanon invading the northern part of Israel, and they've got uh, they've got 80,000 uh, cruise missiles and drones, and then Israel starts responding to that, and then you can see uh, the rest of the Shia crescent would then come well, I in. I
0: want Okay. So that's what yeah. this is what I ask. So, okay, I'm gonna stop the show right here. Oh, we've got just uh 90 seconds or so left. The remainder of Mark and my conversation, which is about another half hour, will be aired on I believe Thursday. Um, so it, by the way, in the meantime, since I we had this conversation a couple hours ago. Um, Mark has sent me a whole bunch of stuff. Um, one, it says, The Times of Israel used a picture of Palestinian children rescued from an Israeli airstrike in Gaza with a headline about the beheaded babies' propaganda. On the bottom of the picture, in tiny writing, is the actual truth. So, the time. The Times. I, I, did I say the Times of Israel? I, I meant the Times of London. Uh, so Israel shows mutilated babies. You show the there are these crying, uh, bloodied children. But the actual uh, caption below uh, says that these children in the picture were Palestinian kids. Okay. Well... Um, I'll be back again tomorrow with another exciting episode of National Bugle Radio. Hello.
7: or call us at 818-965-9113 Monday through Saturday 9am to 5pm California time That's 818-965-9113 drinksupertea.com You can't handle the truth You're listening to Republic Broadcasting
1: Network Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle